On Sunday afternoons, I like to ask my children what they learned about at Sunday school class today. And as we were eating lunch, I asked Annika what she learned today. And she said, we learned about the pilgrims. And I said, ah, Mrs. Bleasy, a good Thanksgiving theme. Always wonderful to hear what my children come back with, having learned uh, from Mrs. Bleasy's class, among others. Um, and it is Thanksgiving week, and this is, as we mentioned earlier, a particularly fitting time for us to have our hearts reminded to be thankful, to be grateful people. And this is not just something that Christians are catching on to. The secular world around us understands that there is something very powerful about being a thankful person, a grateful person. Listen to what one, one psychologist said. Gratitude is the truest approach to life. We did not create or fashion ourselves. We did not birth ourselves. Life is about giving, receiving, and repaying. We are receptive beings dependent on the help of others on their gifts and their kindness. And you'd be able to find a whole variety of different entirely secular sources divorced from any kind of Christian or other creedal religion telling you, you should be grateful, you're going to be a lot happier if you're a thankful, grateful person. Well, of course, the Bible tells us that from the very start. And whatever secular society is latching onto today about being a thankful person, by the way, you should always ask that person, thankful to whom? Grateful to whom, really? The Christian has the answer. It is that Thanksgiving is not only a holiday that we celebrate and not just something we might go around the table, our family table at this Thursday and give things that we are grateful for. Thanksgiving is something more, at least in the Christian sense. Listen to what Matthew Henry said. I love this. He said, Thanksgiving is good, but thanks living is better. Thanksgiving is good, but thanks living is better. And this evening from Hebrews chapter 13, I'd like to direct our attention for just a few moments to a message I'm going to title, From Thanksgiving to Thanks Living. From Thanksgiving to Thanks Living. And I'm going to ask us to assess our own character this evening to whether Thanksgiving is merely a holiday for us, merely even a time, perhaps regular time, that we stop to offer thanks, or whether in, in keeping with Hebrews 13, we are, by the grace of God, people who are given to thanks living. You see, Hebrews 13 and verse 15 gives us this command, this Christian duty. The author of Hebrews, inspired by the Holy Spirit, said, By him, by Jesus, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God. And what's the next word? What's the next word, folks? Continually. Let us offer the sacrifice of praise 
to God continually. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. We must move from thanksgiving to thanks living. And I want us to look at just three things very briefly here this evening to try to understand how we can make this shift from Thanksgiving being even a practice, even beyond a holiday, a, a, kind, of, a kind of thing we do, to being actually a way we live. We are thanks-living people. And the first thing I want us to note from Hebrews chapter 13 is that it has to do with something that flows over. That flows over. The flowing over of this kind of thanks living. And if you look with me at verse 15. By him, therefore, let us offer, by Jesus, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is the fruit of our lips giving thanks to his name. Now, just look at that last phrase. The fruit of our lips giving thanks to his name. What is fruit? Well, just think of it from, from a, a gardener's perspective. What is fruit? Fruit is what the overflow of a healthy tree or plant is. Isn't that right? We have two apple trees in our yard. It's interesting. One of them, the more mature one, only gives fruit every other year. One of them, the more juvenile one, the younger one, gives fruit apparently every year. Every year, really, maybe with exception of the first year or the first couple years, it's produced fruit. Big apples that are so big that the branches of this juvenile tree are hanging down and breaking the lower branches. We gotta, we've got to prune it this winter time. What is the fruit of that tree? It is the overflow of a healthy tree. It shows that the root system is getting the nutrients it needs. It shows that the system of the life in the tree allows the vitality to create fruit. Fruit is what overflows. And by that same token, here, Scripture says, the fruit of your lips, the fruit of what overflows in your life, is to come from your lips and give thanks to His name. And that word giving thanks is an interesting one. It actually has the idea of confessing or acknowledging His name. Like, like you are just overflowing and identifying with God. You're, you're carrying His name wherever you go and overflowing in just, it's coming out with His name is always on your lips. So, so just think about this idea. The th moving from thanksgiving to thanksgiving means that thanksgiving is not just something you perform when you're reminded of it. Oh, I should stop and give thanks to God right now. That's a good thing. That's not a bad thing. Thanks living is the fruit of a healthy spiritual life overflowing in just what comes naturally to your lips. In other words, you need to ask yourself, as I need to ask myself, whether my spirit of gratitude is truly a spirit of gratitude. Whether thanksgiving is just something that's on my prayer list that I check off the box, or whether it's truly coming out of a heart that is overflowing in gratitude. 
you know, I think about this now as, as I, I coach my, my son's basketball team. It's interesting when you sit as a fan sometimes, you look at whether the shot goes in or whether it doesn't go in. And you say, it's about the result, right? Did the shot go in? It did. Yes. Did it not go in? Okay, well, you stink. But you know when you're a coach, you don't look so much at that. You look at the process that led up to the shot. You look, did we run the play? You look, did we get a good shot or a bad shot? And sometimes you should see some of these third and fourth graders. There was one yesterday that went from over the head like this, like, like, like he was chucking a soccer ball in, and it went in. And the parents, yeah, way to go. And coaches are like, well, that was a low percentage one, but yes, it went in. You see, when, when you're in looking at it that way, you're looking at the process at what leads to the outcome. And in the same way, we should be testing not merely whether we have trained ourselves to say the right things and to parrot the right phrases, but whether the result, whether the, the, what is coming out is genuine and is natural. So let's stop right here and ask, have we moved from thanksgiving as merely a habit or a duty? It's not bad. It is a habit. It should be a habit and it is a duty. To a kind of thanks living that is the fruit. It's simply the overflow of my spiritual life. So it's flowing over this kind of thanks living life. But more than that... More than that, what is this thanks living life not? What, what, is, what is the foundation of this life? That's our second point. Not just flowing over uh, a life, but what's the foundation of this thanks living life? Well, notice something from the text and, and, and the context here. Notice verse 15 again. By him, therefore... Let us offer the sacrifice of praise. By him, therefore. And I've said this so many times from this pulpit. When you see a therefore, ask what it's there for. Okay? That's how we think. That's how we're thinking, Bible readers. When we get to the word therefore, we stop and say, okay, what's, what's God trying to tell us? Why? What's it there for? Okay, so we have to go back. What is this there for? He's saying, because I've told you this, now therefore offer a sacrifice of praise. Now, this is where we're going to start to get really interesting. I want you just to think about your typical Thanksgiving meal here in, in the country. And it doesn't even have to be a religious house. It could be a religious house. You gather the family around, and you say, let's all cultivate a spirit of gratitude. What are we grateful for this year? And you'll go around, and you'll hear, just, I just want you to imagine, you'd hear a number of different things. You'd hear maybe some things about a job going well. You hear some things about likely health. We were in good health, or I, I was in good health this year. I got some good results. Or maybe things went well at school, or, 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 you know, I never thought the Vikings would win this many games in a row. It's amazing. It seemed impossible to me. And all these different things are going to come out, and, and then what's, then what's going to happen? Okay, great. All right, let's go around with the rest of our meal. Now, I want you to notice something about this thanks living. Because look at what he says previously in verse number 10. Let's just start in verse number 10 of Hebrews 13. He says, We have an altar whereof they have no right to eat which serve the tabernacle. 
You say, well, where's that coming from? We've well, got to remember what the book of Hebrews is written to. Who was the book of Hebrews written to? Hebrews. Funny thing, isn't it? It was written to Jews. And it was written to Jews who were being excluded or were under serious pressure because they had converted to Christianity. They were ethnic Jews who had left behind Judaism as a religion and they were now following Christ as the Messiah. And so now they're getting squeezed. They're getting excluded from the synagogue. We read in Hebrews 10, they had actually been robbed. They, their, their possessions had been stolen. They were under economic pressure. They were under social pressure and cultural pressure. And they're starting to think, is it really worth it? Should, I'm under pressure because I'm following Christ. Should I keep on going? And the whole ethos of the book of Hebrews is keep on going because your Messiah is better. Your covenant is better. Your priesthood is better. All these things under Christ. Christ is the fulfillment of everything you have seen under the Old Testament. That's the idea. So now, at the end of the book, he's saying, in fact, don't let them say that you don't have a part in God's plan in the world. It's them who are left behind. We have an altar, not like that altar in the temple. We have an altar that those ones who are serving in that tabernacle under that Old Testament uh, 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 ceremonies of religion, they have no right to our altar. Notice, whereof they have no right to eat which serve the tabernacle for the bodies of those beasts of those animals whose blood is brought into the sanctuary by the high priest for sin are burned without or outside the camp again we have to put our old testament hats on here you can look i think it's leviticus 16 and several other passages that show that when a sacrifice for sin was made in the old testament let's say a bull would be brought in and would be killed what would happen? The blood would be taken and it would be sprinkled on the altar. But what would happen to the body of the bull? Would it be eaten when it was a sin offering? Would the priest eat it? No. It would be taken as a carcass outside the camp and it would be burned. Burned. It was a picture of the sin that was being disposed of, if you will. It was vile. It was filthy. That's the picture. It was the picture of this animal taking on the dirtiness of that sin. And now its dead carcass is burned outside the gate, outside the city, outside the town. It was excluded. It wasn't eaten. So notice the logic here. Those bodies, the blood is brought into the sanctuary by the high priest for sin, but the body of the animal is burned outside the camp. Now look at verse 12. Wherefore Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people with his own blood, suffered without, outside the gate. And that's where Calvary was. Outside the gate of Jerusalem. So, so what do we see? He says then, let us go forth therefore unto him without or outside the camp bearing his reproach. You see the idea? Jesus as the high priest took his own blood into the holy place to make a, a reconciliation for us, a sacrifice of his own blood. And Hebrews covers this idea of Jesus as a high priest. But Jesus, as the sacrifice himself, was taken outside the city gate, and he suffered there. And so what, is the, what does the author of Hebrews say? You go with him. Go outside the gate with him. 
Are you getting shamed for following Christ? Bear it. You're outside the camp of respectability with him. Are you suffering for the sake of the gospel? He did too, outside the gate, outside the respect of your cultural and societal peers. Go be with him outside the camp. Go receive shame with him. Bear his reproach. Notice what he then says in verse 15. By him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. You know, my simple point is this. How often do we feel naturally overflowing with the sacrifice of praise to God when we're bearing his reproach, the reproach of Christ? How often are we naturally going to overflow, thank you, Lord, when we're being persecuted for his sake, when we're being rejected, when, whether, whether, whether uh, uh, literally or, or figuratively we're being spat upon for his sake? when we are bearing his reproach. You see, he's not talking about a kind of, of thanks living that is rooted in everything's going well. My bank account is flush. My 501k is doing really well. I'm respected by the entire culture and my society around me. Great. Thank you, Lord. I'll thank you for how good things are right now. He's not talking about that. And as long as you are in that thanksgiving mold, if things are going well, I'll thank God for it. If my health is good, I'll thank God for it. You should thank God. You should thank God when things are going well. In, in, in every sense. Why? Because you are to thank him for everything. I'm not saying don't thank God for earthly blessings, for harvest blessings. I'm saying this. He's clearly talking about people who are suffering for him. And he's saying you're the ones who should be bearing his reproach and offering a sacrifice of thanksgiving to him. It would be a good chance for us to look in the mirror and say how often... Does my sacrifice of praise, does my grateful spirit overflow even when things aren't going well? Even when things look really bleak in certain areas relating to this life and this time? How often instead am I overflowing in thanksgiving even when I'm outside the gate of respectability and I'm bearing his reproach? like the early disciples, the early apostles getting beaten for preaching the gospel of Christ and, 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 and rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. That kind of thanks living. You see, go ahead one verse from verse 13. Let us go forth therefore unto him without the camp, bearing his reproach. Look at verse 14. For here have we no continuing city, but we seek one to come. Here, we don't have any lasting, enduring place to live, but we are seeking one that is to come. He's saying, Christian, what are you living for? You're not living for a comfortable life here. You're not living for a reputation that's going to far outlast you in terms of, uh, of your reputation, your money, your success, your prestige. You are living for a city that is in the future that is still eternal. And to me, when I thought about this, it, it was like, oh, this makes sense now. This makes perfect sense. How can you be moving from thanksgiving to thanksgiving? It's when you are the kind of person who is earnestly seeking a city that's still in the future. 
when you are seeking an eternal reality, not a temporary one. That's why the early disciples, when they were beaten for the cause of Christ and bore his reproach, could say, I'm just rejoicing that, God, you thought I was worthy to bear this for your name. I can be grateful for that. This is why Paul and Silas in a Philippian jail after they've been beaten unjustly for preaching the gospel at midnight can start singing praises to God loud enough for the other prisoners to hear them. Why? Because they said, this world's not my home. I'm just a passing through. If heaven's not my home, then Lord, what will I do? It's one of my old favorite folk songs. I'm just a poor wayfaring stranger traveling through this world of woe. But there is a city. There is a city that I am going to. That is the message of the Christian. Not a settler. Not someone rooting in deep here and trying to leave a long legacy after them of, of material earthly things. Someone who says, I'm a pilgrim. I'm a stranger. I'm a wanderer. I'm, this isn't my home. I'm living for that one. And you see, this is why in verse 15 he says, By him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise. A thanks living spirit. Because it is by him that we can live for a city to come. You see, we need to see not just the flowing over of this kind of spirit, and not just the foundation of it, but the focus of it. By him. Let us offer that sacrifice of praise. Now, what's the picture here? The picture here, I think, is of Jesus as the high priest. We have gone with him to bear reproach outside the camp, outside the gate of, of human respectability. And now we come to him bearing our praises. Now, remember what a high priest did with a sacrifice? The high priest was the one in the Old Testament that you would bring the animal to and you would kill that animal and the high priest would take it and he is the one who would offer it to God. It was the, it was the priest's job. The priest stood between you and God. You came to the mediator and you said, here's my sacrifice. And the priest took it to God and said, God, here's the sacrifice. Now think about that picture. A thanks-living spirit is the one that is continually coming through Jesus Christ and saying, God, it's all about Him. He's the mediator. He's the one who has delivered me from the judgment to come. He's the one who's forgiven, who's given me the forgiveness of sins. His sacrifice, His blood has made me right with you. It is all about Him. And He is the reason that I can seek a city to come. You see, a thanks-living spirit is not merely feeling good about the various circumstances or happinesses that come into your life at any given moment. You should express your gratitude to God for His harvest and other earthly blessings. But a thanks-living spirit is the kind of spirit that comes through our high priest to God and says, I can hardly believe it. I can hardly believe that I have forgiveness of my sins for how, for, for, for how much I fail. I can hardly believe that I have a hope of eternal life. 
I can hardly believe that there is life for me beyond the grave. I can hardly believe that I've been blessed with all spiritual blessings and heavenly places in Christ. And yet by Him, He was the one who paid it all. All to Him I owe. And therefore, out of a joyful heart, I can just overflow with the goodness of God to me in Jesus Christ. You see, Thanksgiving is a wonderful thing. It's a wonderful holiday. It's a wonderful opportunity for us to gather with our loved ones or others and reflect on the blessings we have received. But I hope that this week, as you come to Thanksgiving and you reflect on what you truly are most grateful for, I hope that what will emerge for you is a spirit, not just of thanksgiving, but of of thanksgiving, that sees that true thanksgiving is overflowing from a heart. It is the fruit of, of the lips that gives thanks to his name. That the foundation for all of your gratitude is not based on what you have received, the various circumstances of life today, but is based on your hope of a city that is coming in the future. And that finally your focus is on your high priest. By him you are coming to offer the sacrifice of praise. This evening let's look in the mirror. Have we moved from mere thanksgiving to thanks living? If not, let's start with our own hearts. And what we're prizing and what we're valuing, whether we truly are seeking a city to come. And then let's go to our high priest, through our high priest, with a continual offering of praise to God.